0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Your Week in IndyCar Listener Q&A episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, The Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. It is about 7.35 on a Wednesday evening. My amazing wife is just creating some amazing smells in the house. Got our cat Rosie to the left, looking out, wishing she could jump through the window and attack birds got my cat our cat rocky on the right currently grooming himself in ways that really aren't fitted fitting for describing here uh this is what i lovingly refer to as my polished turd of a show it's just chock full of errors like me like your host it's replete with stinkiosity and i embrace that not a lot to talk about before we get rolling with your q a I have been watching young Scott McLaughlin here practicing for the Saturday Barber Motorsports Park iRacing IndyCar event. I don't want to say I had anything to do with it, but I do love the fact that I wrote a column last week that said, hey, uh, IndyCar and IMSA and whoever else, you really need to get your iRacing events on TV to go with streaming and Indeed, we learned today that NBCSN will be hosting round two of the six-round IndyCar iRacing Challenge, so that's pretty cool. Also got an alert earlier today that Connor Daly had jumped on uh, Twitch, and I figured, well, cool, let me see uh, what Connor's doing to prepare barber and no uh got there and he's i don't know what game it was but uh he was specking out his assault rifle and making sure it had a lot of american flag stickers and whatnot on it plus a little irish gnome or something like that so uh, i love the fact that while others are going buck nutty turning a million laps in i-racing practice connor's just shooting him up and he was actually doing it with his buddy Sebastian Saavedra so yeah you know that's maybe a good balance just have some fun uh what else can I tell you that might be of interest I don't know uh this is not a complaint at all it's just sharing man uh been burning the proverbial candle at both ends trying to crank out content for you all on racer hopefully have an item or two headed a road and track here and then just trying to amuse you with whatever else comes to mind with photos and such on my twitter and ig and facebook and i don't know trying i'm trying uh i'm probably gonna crash and burn here soon though friends (laughs) uh it is uh it's too late but i am taking a mouthful of coffee to help do our week in IndyCar Listener Q&A. What else? That's about it. Honestly, I don't got anything else. I just need to start doing some word talking here with your Listener Q&A, and and I hope you enjoy it as we always do at the start of the Listener Q&A. We pick the person whose question from last week got the most likes and give them something free. So we do this using Facebook submissions. So if you want free things from our pals at torontomotorsports.com, send your question in on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast Facebook page when the call goes out for questions. And if yours gets the most likes, well, they're going to send you a T-shirt, probably stickers, maybe a beer or beverage koozie, and who knows what else they're going to throw in Again, that's torontomotorsports.com. They do all of our t-shirts, all of our gear, and so a lot of racing memorabilia books and models and all kinds of fun stuff. And so the person who needs to send me a direct message this week so that they can get themselves sorted with that free stuff from torontomotorsports.com, well, it's our pal, Paul Trahan, who asked her man last week, Alexander Rossi. Alex, would you rather do karaoke with a drunken willpower or spend two hours stuck in an elevator with your off track with Hinch and Rossi producer Thim, and wisely, smartly, intelligently, Lee, Alex Rossi chose drunken willpower. Um, but we also, I think, arrived at the conclusion that punches would be involved because will and drunkenness. Yeah, you're going to have a black eye, but loved your question, Paul. That got the most likes, drop me a direct message with your email address and we will get you linked up with our pals at Toronto Okay. Uh, and then we're going to hopefully grab something with Sebastian Bourdais for a part two of the week in car. And I'm going to probably try and keep doing one or at least one guest a week, but maybe two and do some shorter shows because again, we're trying to fill your time while (laughs) most of us are required to stay at home. So we're going to rock and roll here. Starting with Henry Chapman says to call the iRacing event, a success would be an understatement. The quality of the broadcast was very good. The race was associated with a good cause that being the American red cross. And the viewership was way more than what I would have thought. It seemed that there are around 50,000 people watching live on both the official IndyCar channel uh, and the iRacing channel. Uh, and plus all the people watching on Twitch and the individual driver streams. It says what may be more impressive is that on YouTube, a combined 310,000 people have watched on demand across IndyCar and iRacing channels. Just makes me wonder why this wasn't done earlier. Henry goes on to conclude, perhaps it would have got the same numbers due to all sports being wiped out, uh, but it's clear the interest is there, which is also being shown in the NASCAR rating numbers. Spot on, Henry. Uh, This is certainly a hindsight item, for sure. Granted, all of you who are active sim racers, gamers, whatever it is that you love to do, whether it's iRacing, Mario Kart, whatever, Those of you who are and have been active have been saying for far longer than the coronavirus has been around, hey, this is a thing. This is really good. Boy, IndyCar, or name the other series you love, you should do more of this, and this is just proof. The the only thing maybe to keep in mind here, Henry, is in this very specific window where we are shut down we've just had indycar layoff or fire i've heard the number was 50 people I'm not saying that's accurate i've just heard that from more than one person some very good people no longer have jobs some others have been furloughed 60 days so they'll have jobs when they come back and they have benefits now but they have no income they can file for unemployment but we're looking at a situation henry where you're totally right. I racing, sim racing, esports. This needs to be a greater portion of IndyCar's overall plans. You all have been saying this, I have been saying this for many, many years. Out of sheer necessity with this shutdown, this has come to life. Frankly, it was the only easy turnkey thing that could be done. iRacing had the 2018 spec Dallara IndyCar already in its inventory. Very easy to set a new league in motion, and so here we are. In terms of something bigger and greater and wide reaching grassroots, creating a link with the road to Indy, which is having their own esports leagues down to karting, and creating competitions coast-to-coast, live events, making this something that when we go to IndyCar races, when we can do that again, there is a standard feature at every physical race where the young and developing and whatever, you know, e-sports sim racing talent or stars or aspirants have a place to, show their capabilities to maybe hopefully buddy up with an indie car driver or engineer or team owner or something. And like we do with the road to Indy where we hope the kid who just landed in USF 2000 that shown talent will get recognized by a team or maybe again, it could be a, let's say Hunter McIlray, for example, a kid from down under who because of his down under ties has gotten the interest from a Will Power, Scott Dixon, just because of their you know, shared birthplace and or general region supporting one another? Uh, could it be a French kid getting a Pagino or a Bourdais to say, hey, I'm going to look after a little so-and-so? Whatever the links that happen, Henry, this to me just really stands out as something of cool. This kind of sort of happens as it is with car drivers and Road to Indy, how do we add to that and add a esports component that is a fixture at every round just as the road to Indy is almost everywhere? How do we do that? Money, obviously it's going to take money, but beyond that, it's going to take will. This is the part that leaves me a little bit concerned because if we are downsizing and really st- cutting there wasn't much fat on the bone to begin with but if we're cutting everything off the bone right now to get through this shutdown at a time where this would be really a perfect way to plan and develop and prepare something big and meaningful to unveil when we do go racing again not saying IndyCar cannot do it or will not I'm just saying it's going to be a much bigger challenge while being short-staffed Last quick thing here, and I've had a couple of folks ask this in and around um, this theme, Henry. It's, well, so this seems really cool. How does IndyCar make it into something that's truly beneficial long-term? It's a great stopgap. Short-term will get you through the coronavirus, but how does IndyCar make this a thing that actually helps it in the long-term? And back to the point of events at the events and whatever else they can do there. This, to me, is where IndyCar really does help start to connect with the Utes, with the younger demographic they continue to court. I'm stating just the most obvious things in the world, but as IndyCar continually wonders, why don't we have younger fans? Where do we get them? I'm not saying esports is the magic cure all, but man, it sure does seem like a great place to start. We're starting here, kind of, sort of, although this has only been the IndyCar Drivers competing so far in this official league. Know that we have some other leagues going on, plenty of other leagues going on with a variety of stuff. But this to me is just a place where you say, okay. You want to expose the non-older demographic that you have to who you are and what you got. Well, uh, I'm hoping this out of necessity creation of an IndyCar iRacing series, only six races through May 2nd, but hopefully this has caused some light bulbs to go off for those, for whatever reason, Henry, with an IndyCar who have not gotten it and haven't, Done a dang thing for years. Hopefully, this is the thing that changes minds and causes them to realize that no, this isn't just a band-aid, a cool band-aid, while we can't go racing. This should be something that is a permanent part of what we do. Uh let's continue. We've got a couple more iRacing questions. Steve Hunt says MP, any chances iRacing could be the winner series, for fun, of course, that Mark Miles has talked about in the past maybe have six races from October through December. Also, did you watch Watkins Glen and what are your thoughts? It certainly could Steve. Uh, I would say that this is definitely, hopefully it is a thought starter for Mark and some of the others again in the series who have heard all the everything, Hey, you need it and esports, sports and yada, yada. you It's what your grandson's doing. Um, Again, i hope the linkage is here i love your idea of it being considered as something that is additive at a time when we aren't racing i know that's what we're currently doing now with it but again it this is being viewed as a we're improvising on the fly something formal you may hear some plates clanking in the background sorry about that um this is a case where yeah winter series would be awesome could that now granted depending (laughs) i don't know how much of a winter we're going to have this year i think we're going to be doing a lot of racing in the winter but in normal circumstances the the air quote downtime i think this could be awesome i would love to see some thematic things hey name the formula one drivers couple of them three or four or five i'd love to see indycar do some form of slice it however many ways you want if it's a 24 car field great six indycar drivers voted for by the fans six nascar six imsa six f1 uh again pick the series you might like but we could do a lot of fun stuff here the ideas are endless we spoke about last week maybe the week before the idea of getting all the team owners, Roger Penske included, into Sims to have a team owner Grand Prix at somewhere. Um, it probably have to be an old defunct track because, frankly, uh, that's probably the last thing some of them drove on. But we could do so many fun things here, Steve, with a winter series. And uh, I would say I wouldn't limit it to six races. I would say what what I hope is going to happen here. Which is eSports, sim racing becoming normalized for a lot of IndyCar fans who never knew about it and or are pooing on the idea. video game racing. Who gives a crap? I'm hoping it becomes normalized enough to wear the announcement of two races per week. Oh, uh, Wednesday night craziness, a Friday night this, a Saturday, whatever. Probably not colliding with uh, live motor racing calendar so much, knowing that NASCAR runs late into the year. So does F1. Uh, The FIWEC has this weird super season calendar where they start in September and end in June. Again, we'll have to think about the timing, but there's a lot of fun stuff that could be done. I love your idea here of using eSports as a real, all right, the physical engines have gone silent but the digital engines are firing up and let's get fired up for that plus final thing here i think by this time every indycar driver and again maybe their engineers and even more will have at least basic sim rigs in place if not more this should be a lot easier to go live with uh asap whenever we want in the future uh, one other quick thing i should mention again i'm recording this on a wednesday evening was texting with our man robert wickens who said he did indeed receive his sim rig and they were hurriedly assembling it today so hopefully our man will start turning some laps here shortly uh we're going to go to our pal the spiritual vegetable of the show he's not the spirit animal he's a spirit vegetable ryan terpstra says hey mp what do you think of this idea for an indie car i-racing event open it up to anyone who has participated in the indy 500 in the past make select invitations to someone like Orlando lando norris was a f1 driver by the way mclaren there's a hundred thousand uh, folks who followed his twitch stream of one of those f1 races recently And max verstappen bump day qualifying week for the race the race at indy for say 250 to 500 miles, not sure in the distance. so I've been a big fan of esports events being a bit of a shorter distance. He says, There have been some bad ideas in racing. What do you remember that is on par with Bernie Ecclestone's artificial rain races, NASCAR's stick and ball evolution, and Helmut Marco's plan to invent, intentionally infect his drivers with COVID 19? uh Lord. All right, so a bit of a two parter here. Yeah, man, here's. <laughs> here's what i think should happen since again we'll just keep saying i racing it's not like i racing has to be the only thing that gets used obviously they've got the uh, dw12 with the ir18 update for folks to use readily but i'm, I'm sh- very positive there are other whether it's pc based bits or console based you know options where you could do some form of Vintage IndyCar, all kinds. Again, I don't want to just keep, I think iRacing is just going to become the equivalent of Kleenex. You know, uh, it's tissue paper, but it's so heavily associated with one brand. We just say it and people know what we mean. I think iRacing is just going to be a really cool place for us to do IndyCar stuff, sports cars, etc. But I love the fact that we can just make stuff up. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the 15 layers of approval, unless IndyCar wants to go that route. But as you mentioned, hey, let's open up invitations here or there. You know what? I want to see the, the family that pilots the grave diggers <laughs> Monster Trucks. Try and qualify. Try and do whatever. Hey, I want to get, name the uh, V8 supercar legend. Name the... Work down the list. Hey, Valentino Rossi, you're going to try and qualify for the Indy 500 this weekend, or name the event. This I think is fantastic. Thing I'll close with on the iRacing bits, Ryan, is if we really want to get the most out of this, I think IndyCar when it is staffed appropriately and provided they are willing to cede a little bit of control. This sure seems to me like engaging folks like yourself and others who just sim race night and day and have forever and love it. And it's a big part of your lives. Uh, This seems like a great idea to say, Hey Ryan, uh, we'd like you to set up a construct for Saturday. Provided it's not totally stupid, tell us what it is. Who knows? Maybe it's racing grave diggers around the Indy 500. I don't know. But I do hope that IndyCar does not look at esports and think that they need to be the all controlling, all thinking, if it wasn't our idea, it's not happening type folks when it comes to this. Because unlike everything else they do that is hardcore and requires all kinds of people to get involved and weigh in from all variety of departments this isn't one nor should it be and if we're just talking about embracing folks this would be a blast and i think instead of this being highly limited oh we're going to do one a week that's a fan thing hey create a platform where as many fans as might be interested can create races of their own invitationals of their own and have it done in a manner that's connected with the series where on whatever streaming platform folks can watch and observe, or maybe even participate. Um, I know this is, would take some management and effort and coordination But this is where you start to extend roots. And with each person you connect with, there are more roots. I know of nobody these days that goes into name your favorite uh, platform, your favorite sim, your favorite game, and just does it alone. No headset, no anything, walled off to the world. You're air-gapped to the planet. You do it by yourself never converse with another person never talk crap right so just saying the the roots extend from person to person to person and it can grow if IndyCar sees it as such Uh, as for uh, bad ideas in racing it's just an IndyCar one and I've discussed it before I think we even did a podcast on it with Lynn St. James and Johnny Unser and maybe more it was a 25 and 8 rule uh yeah that was just wackety wackety whack uh it was a bad idea that actually came true but granted is one of the eight that made it into the 1997 8500 on merit uh i mean it was stupid and it put us through so much stress and pressure with our number 97, Dallara Oldsmobile, using Firestone tires. With Greg Ray as a driver, our Thomas Knapp Motorsports Genoa racing outfit, Indy Lights team that jumped up to take a crack at the new IRL and its new formula. Uh, it was really cool that we were able to get in. Uh, but yeah, the 25 and 8 was just lame. Uh, Joshua Ponce. Hey, Josh. Like Ryan and like so many of you. Thank you for being my little family that we get to talk each week, at least through Q and A, if not uh, DMs and a variety of other things. Uh, Joshua says, "I say once the air clears from the world pandemic that we're going through, I think we need to see a race at Indianapolis with a hundred plus cars from LMP1, LMP2, GTs, F1, NASCAR, and of course IndyCar running for twenty four hours straight." P.S. This comment is in results cabin fever. As I have not set foot outside since March 17th, send help, Joshua, Joshua, Josh, buddy, buddy, put, you know, wrap your foot in a garbage bag or I don't know what size foot you got, but you know, maybe you can use, uh, some sort of sandwich bag or, you know, quart size, gallon size freezer or something. Just put one foot outside, um, wear a mask, wear gloves. Uh, make sure you're covered you know don't walk out naked i don't want to be responsible for that i'm not paying for your bail uh do as best you can if you have long sleeve put on something long sleeve do the uh do the crazy thing of stepping outside breathing some fresh air through a mask and just you know do it you can do it dip that toe just you know don't gotta look like bambi on ice I think you're going to be okay. I love the idea. See, this is the kind of thing that, granted, I don't have 24 hours straight to do anything, but this is something where I would absolutely participate as much as I could. Um, I will just give you a little update here. I did dig my, I think, Logitech G25, I believe, out of a box, and it looks like, It needs, actually, it looks like it might be the patient zero for the coronavirus. So, uh, yeah, I think that thing needs to get thrown away. So, what I'm going to do is I've found some things that I can, I think, sell somewhat quickly and try and pick up uh, what I've seen is a new G29 steering wheel and pedal setup um this i know really isn't a time to be spending money that's why i'm trying or that's why i'm not that's why i'm going to try and convert uh some assets here into s- disposable money and do that because i really do want to get back into things quickly and so yeah uh other option is i think i might be able to trade some memorabilia for a new g29 steering wheel and pedal setup from a friend's kid that i guess upgraded to something else and uh it's collecting dust well it's newish so not a lot of dust but yeah i want to be able to do something and have some fun like this and give it a try and uh iRacing still seems like it might be way over my head even though i used to race back in the day. part of me thinks that i don't know project cars 2 is standing out as maybe something a little more gamey a little more gamey instead of pure hardcore sim make any little mistake and you crash and especially since this is kind of like the most basic kind of you know my first sony training wheels type sim setup can't even call it a sim because it's not It's just stupid logitech steering wheel and pedals um compared to the real sim rigs that some of you have uh yeah so i don't know give me some thoughts ryan turpster i'm sure you're gonna email me all kinds of stuff uh but yeah i just have a feeling like i racing might be something that i get really grumpy and frustrated at and say no i just want to have fun uh driving not be always worrying about turning the steering wheel or braking and making a mistake and having hit reset and turning three hours worth of partial laps because I can't complete one at any rate of speed. So uh, there you go. But Joshua, yeah, buddy, I love this idea. Um, if and when you set this up, count me in for at least an hour driving an LMP1 car around the Indianapolis 500, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, not the road course, but the actual oval because you know that's kind of what we need to do uh dave heisen you sent this in for our guest mike hull and i moved it over to the listener q a because i didn't want to pose it to mike funny how that works um but also knowing that he wasn't going to answer it um your question here is fascinating and i do know a little bit about this what i don't know is whether i can answer it in any kind of specificity so i'm going to need to get a little bit of clearance on that uh your question of do you have any information on or or input in this being for mike the next generation delara uh he says knowing f1 has pushed their car out timeline wise and nascar will likely follow suit uh what's the inside baseball on this Um, I'll see if I can get the green light to make some suggestions on this, Dave. Uh, I've been unable to, so didn't want to ignore your question, but didn't want to put it in front of Mike because Mike, a, I don't know if he knows, uh, enough to be able to answer it in any kind of entirety. So let me see what I can find out and whether I can or cannot answer that. Uh, let's go to Stuart Aerith, who says, Hey, Marshall, from lockdown here in the UK, he says, Robert Wickens put on social media, um, and yourself in yourself on an article on Racer about his iRacing setup issues and his, his uh, adapted steering wheel not arriving in time. He says, do you know how far along spam are with getting Robert into a car with the adaptations he requires, i.e. hand controls and extra body support, and how actually difficult is it to run the car from hand controls well we don't know the answers to that in terms of how difficult it would be because he hasn't done it yet uh, in an indy car uh, do have a little bit of an update on this from Robert uh, we did about a I don't know half hour 40 minute or so interview podcast something a couple of weeks ago and just been sitting on it because the I don't, I don't know if I can say the timing's been right to roll it out but this question specifically is answered by robert i apologize again i know it's like all right two questions in a row you're not answering um it's a really great answer from robert and uh, i'm hoping uh, you all will enjoy what he has to say about that sorry for the delay there was just texting with scott mclaughlin for a little story i'm working on all right where are we going next we're gonna go to all right couple questions here similar theme uh fleetwood mark uh, let's see who else some guy tim falkowitz not sure if i've ever heard of him actually he kindly puts together the q a Q&A list for me every week lists now it's it's no longer singular uh thanks tim although your brother tells me to give you a hard time and say you do a terrible job so there you go uh all right i'm gonna go to fleetwood mark who says marshall now that we finally have a short oval right after the 500 again what are you hearing about a return to cleveland oh boy i wish they weren't knocking down that piece of real estate so seriously it's heartening to see saint pete jump right back into the batter's box and swing again this time for the finale. He says, it comes at Laguna's expense. Have you heard any grumblings from the new leadership there about that? I hope they understand. Really hope we can grow Laguna Seca for years to come. Uh, Let me answer that before getting to the rest of what you threw in here, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Yeah, did connect with the series. Was told that, yes, they have communicated with Laguna Seca. Laguna's good with the finale moving. Uh, I don't want to say they're good with it moving permanently, but in light of all the changes, they have been very accommodating. I would just say, I know that St. Pete wants to be the season finale. I would just say that until we have an idea of how many events end up getting knocked off of the existing schedule and possibly thrown until later in the year, it will be very hard to say who ends up last. And maybe a quick thing to think about here. It's maybe the uh, favorite child thing, right? A little bit of a Sophie's choice. I'm not saying you got to choose which one's going to live and which one's going to die, but, you know, we love ourselves some St. Petersburg. That's great. Uh, it's not a Roger Penske event. Detroit is uh, Detroit Grand Prix. Roger Penske owned, Roger Penske promoted. What if Detroit gets knocked out of its May 3031 window, which it will? Where does that fall? Does Detroit become the season finale uh, in front of, you know, the Wren Center there with GM? Uh, what happens in terms of who gets picked to be the last? Could, what about Texas? If Texas gets blown out uh, of their July 6th date, do they, right? And the, As an old IRL guy, um, you know, we ended more than one season, at texas so that thing's going to be the the part that really interests me you're going to have any of the circuits looking to be rerun any of the events that got postponed they're going to be obviously looking to this october window that i've written about what kind of lobbying what kind of politicking goes on because if you're talking about who wants what well it's pretty cool to be able to say we are the season finale Come here. It's going to be some sort of showdown. It's going to be extra special. You know, I know St. Pete wants it. Uh, I know that St. Pete is promoted by Green Savory Race Promotions, uh, and they have, what, four events on the calendar? Portland, St. Pete, Toronto, and Mid-Ohio? I mean, that's 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 some clout, <laughs> right? That is certainly some clout. Uh, do you want to mess with them knowing that they ho- hold what roughly 25 percent of your races yeah i don't know maybe not maybe not so much but again you know eddie gossage not exactly a wallflower not exactly quiet he'll be lobbying of course it's in his in the circuit's best interest uh where does detroit fall again you know we'll have to see so that's what i i'm going to find uh, rather interesting here, good old Fleetwood Mark. Someone's going to get that prized final slot. Uh, who's going to make the most compelling argument as to why it should be them? You also say best to Chabrell and you. Her story is inspirational, especially now in this crazy time. Says my biggest worry for the Pruitt household is the shutdown of barbers. <laughs> you could very well resemble bob Seeger on stranger in town just slightly grayer well uh funny you should mention so our pals at racer magazine and racer.com are in the midst of setting up something that we hope comes to pass and that is uh some video interviews instead of just written stories or podcasts or whatever and this was my only note Hey, uh, I kind of got the Joe exotic thing going a little bit and I don't have the highlights or the, the eyebrow piercing yet, uh, or the ear piercings or the tattooed eyeliner or a few other things, but I do have the party in the back going and it's because I haven't had a haircut. I did look since August 16th, uh, seven, I forget when exactly, but, uh, it was when my wife was uh, still in 24 hour care. So I had a little bit of freedom to go and do such things. And yeah, so got that. I forget. Uh, Yeah, I think it was right before the Rolex Monterey motorsports reunion. And so then that haircut was good through Monterey, then went to Portland, then came back to Monterey for Laguna IMSA, then came back again for Laguna IndyCar. Well, uh, we moved what a day or two after or whatever long it was after the season finale and we just have not had the time um we've been very busy or isolating ourselves uh for a long time because being immunocompromised yeah so i yeah uh my wife kind of jokes and says i have my farrah faucet flowing hair going so if we do uh any of these racer videos i have a little desk fan and so what i think i'm going to have to do is get it blowing in just the right direction. So I have that uh beautiful fan just making my hair look delightful and glowing and like a nineteen seventies really bad actor. I think that's the answer. Uh Tim Falkwood says, is St. Pete locked in for the finale or is it still in the discussion phase? It says, what's the holdup? Putting a date on the schedule. So got to the first part, but as for the holdup so, that's part of it. Um, we're waiting to see what else gets knocked out of the way. Uh, trust me. If it were as simple as throwing dates on the calendar, they would already. I've heard a couple. Uh, I've heard there was one for Detroit, and it might now be a different date. But you got to make sure that Detroit's not possible before you fill stuff in. Um, yeah, and... We know that St. Pete wants to. I Do I know if the city has provided all the permits and you name it to say yes, absolutely, in October in general? Um, again, I don't know. But I would say we're probably going to need to get closer to a go-live date for IndyCar to find out what all hasn't been run to then figure out given a couple of months to indeed sort it out, uh, what might end up falling victim to this shutdown. So uh, right now we're cleared out through May 24th. And, you know, I don't know how much longer we're going to wait, but I would say uh, there could be a need to get closer, a lot closer than we are now, before they might say officially Detroit is moving and then maybe Texas as well uh nick dovniak hey nick he says we've seen f1 delay the rollout and development of their next gen cars due to the global shutdown you asked about it being pushed back and i believe i apologize um dave heisen mentioned something similar about that which i didn't answer your question there dave uh wanting to know could it get pushed back i would say absolutely uh boy ross porty also mentioned um that you really enjoyed the roundtable racer podcast i did with fellow racer reporters chris Medlin from f1 kelly crandall from nascar asking if there might be a a mandate to postpone the kinetic energy recovery system gosh i'm telling you this is a polished turd it just comes a point in my day where my brain not connect mouth good talk words ross says do you think that they might postpone the mandated hybridization and even the new chassis in order to give teams more time to recover financially yes but i would say beyond teams i would also say the auto manufacturers and this is coming at a terrible time where penske entertainment owners of indycar and ims were feeling they were really close to getting chevy and honda signed to long-term agreements that would allow new chassis new engine new everything all the planning for the future to really get done locked in and start moving towards that future yeah this shutdown it's not just a case of how long is it going to be until we get back to racing this is going to cause everyone to ask major questions how much are we spending per year uh do we need to is this the right place for us keep in mind the other aspect that i know hasn't been written about much in our world it's you know what i read on the new york times each day or the san francisco chronicle so we might get through this in a month or two or however long it is people might go back to work normalcy will return in terms of our daily lives and routines but will the effects of this long shutdown tip us into a prolonged recession right and so Look, as I mentioned on my Mike Hull guest IndyCar episode this week, we try and talk about the positives whenever they are there, but we don't shy away from the negatives. The last time we had a recession in 2008, oh, it wasn't pretty. There was a lot of things that got turned off and turned down pretty quickly. Uh, I still remember the call, as I know I've said once or twice lately. I still remember getting the call the morning of, I believe. I was either qualifying for the race for the 2008 25 Hours of Thunder Hill, getting the call from my editor at Speed saying, wake up. I mean, I had gone to bed like two hours earlier. It was brutal. Um, wake up. You need to write a story about Audi. They've just announced they've pulled out from the American Le Mans series. What? I mean, the biggest, uh, strongest, most dollar-spending manufacturer in North American sports car racing said, we're done, bye-bye strictly because of the recession and this followed in many other ways whether it was manufacturers jumping out or dialing down what they were doing i mean again this this was a frightening time that also had a knock-on effect everywhere else media outlets and vendors and all kinds of folks just saw their income go away that's the concern here ross so teams absolutely Uh, giving teams more time to recover, to sock away some money. Absolute thumbs up there. Uh, Nick, on the topic of pushing back, I certainly believe so. Nobody is spending money right now doing R&D. In many places, people can't even go into their workplace to do the things that they were trying to do. So, yeah, uh, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a pushback of some sorts here. And I think we'll hear about that maybe in IMSA. Maybe in the WEC where they've got a hypercar, new hypercar formula that's meant to debut in September. We know it's not, but could that get pushed back a ways? I think name the racing series that has something new coming. You're very likely going to hear they're all going to say, add one more year to its introduction, if not two. Uh, On the bigger topic here, though, Ross, as you mentioned, teams, certainly, but if we come out of this shutdown, in a recession and IndyCars trying to sign manufacturers to long-term deals to allow this new formula here to kick off. Oh, that worries me. Of course, there is nothing saying we cannot continue racing the current DW12 with 2018 bodywork and 2012 era engine formula. Uh, We have something that's already old. (laughs) It's already old. Being another couple years older, it's not going to hurt anyone. So let's take a look at what the economy is like, not when we go back racing, but two, three months later. And if it's still sluggish, stock market is giving us a middle finger and all the other metrics of, ooh americans aren't spending money businesses aren't doing a ton of hiring and some of the things that again are just the inevitable effects of a recession that's where future stuff gets set Uh, that's where you usually get the nope we're not changing anything we're sticking with what we got so we'll just have to check back on this send this back in ross definitely a couple months from now whenever we get a better feel uh nick dovniak i tell you what you got two questions in a row here and you know what we love you so you're gonna get it also uh, we don't have a crazy amount of questions this week so uh it's it's all good uh let's see your new one here uh you ask sorry i scrolled down too far and i lost it and i'm not editing this out it's my unpolished turd. if indycar is trying to go more green with hybrids and other initiatives why not look at a drs system drag reduction system instant speed with no added weight or fuel expenditure could you imagine how amazing and outrageous it would be on ovals Ah, yeah uh definitely but keep in mind the fuel expenditure um yes you're reducing drag which helps fuel mileage but also if you're increasing top speed you are spinning more revs and burning fuel at the maximum rate so yeah um Look, I love the idea of an aero efficiency system that isn't just DRS, meaning we lift a flap on the rear wing, but actually what do we do elsewhere? Could this be a hydraulic electro-moog valve type actuated system that does a lot of things, uh, that seals off things on the floor? um to take down force away from the bottom of the car in a straight line could it modify the front wings could it change shapes you know if we have things that open and close I, again i'm just trying to think old school what 1995 through 96 DTM and ITC where there was active aero everywhere active ballast you name it i love your idea nick in the interest of being more efficient and using less of things again except for necessarily maybe the fuel part because if you're going fit 20 miles an hour faster in a straight line uh your motor is going to be pulling pretty darn hard uh but i do like this idea and i do think this is a pretty big wave that will need to be considered for the future in the regular automotive world much less the racing world where hey we know that making a vehicle cut through the air Is something that burns whatever your fuel source is. If it is a liquid and you're combusting it, or if the fuel is electrons and you're trying to stretch your charge, what things could be done to maintain crash worthiness, to meet crash safety standards, but alter profiles of fenders, hoods, roof, whatever. Just saying. Uh, this is an area we haven't really tapped into yet uh, technologically uh, across all sectors of the automotive world so yeah i think that'd be pretty cool uh bryce and frank marshall i saw today where mclaren have moved ivan rolled one of their senior aerodynamicists in their f1 program to an aerodynamics role at spam um with a spec body kit no aerodynamic development allowed How does having a dedicated aerodynamicist help an IndyCar team? And how many other teams have someone in a similar position? Well, not many. First of all, Bryson, where this helps is knowledge, expertise. Having someone who, in theory, I don't know, Ivan, but uh, if you have someone on staff who is able to understand one of the black arts in the sport better than others, That can only help when it comes to arriving at better setups, understanding uh, setups better, understanding the effects that are being had throughout the entire vehicle by making an aerodynamic change. So while there's nothing that Ivan can change on the car to gain an advantage over other teams with a spec kit, think of him like a race engineer, right? Every race engineer has the same car to work with, realize that dampers are the one open area but in you know very basic sense the same four wheels the same this the same that right same thing uh these engineers granted you can modify a couple items as well if you're talking what you're doing with suspension and squat and dive and blah blah blah. again there i realize there are things you can change but if you think about them in general everyone has the same toy to play with and yet some get more out of it than others and it's often as a result of some being better than others resources get thrown in of course a super wealthy team that can do a ton of simulation or do more is probably going to be running ahead of the teams that can't but having a guy like ivan on board who might be able to understand and grasp the car's aerodynamics better than most teams and provide input and insight to the race engineers to come up with better sim programs to run and try and figure out driver-in-the-loop testing as well. Just think of it like having the ability to bring on board one of the better race engineers who can find a better air quote setup. Uh, Let's go to sad boys to men, BBD, ABC, although I think that's the wrong band. Uh, He says, I know the spec or she... um, I know that the DW12 is a spec car, but how much difference is there besides the engine between the cars at different teams? Is every bolt and wire the exact same and in the exact same place, or is there some leeway there? And if everything is the same, where does the difference in performance come from? Uh, Not all the same nuts and bolts. I mean, teams do have the choice of what they want to use there. Um, This, I would say, is not too much different from building a model. If you've ever built a model, you know, a scale car, some folks are going to assemble theirs with exacting precision. Every decal or whatever is going to be just laser perfect. Some others will be very close, but you'll notice the door gaps are a little bit off, maybe here, or there, et cetera, et cetera. It's that mindset. It's a spec car. indeed. Not every spec vehicle is put together the same way. The attention to detail certainly is not the same from team to team. Uh, You also look at, you know, if you're talking about where does the difference in performance come from, that's going back just to the question we just answered here from Bryce in a bit. Keep in mind that you have better people in every position and worse people in every position. So if you were to take the gearbox mechanic at every team there are going to be some who are better than others some who know how to prepare those units better than others some who are able to reduce a tiny bit more friction than others there are some here and there in all aspects of the car slightly better at doing what they do i mean really if we're talking you know uh, spec and what could make one thing different from the other just flip on i don't know tennis (laughs) you stare at two people whether it's men's or women's tennis you stare at two people that are roughly the same size or build wearing roughly the same shoe roughly the same clothes it's the same exact court they both have basically the same racket and they're using the same ball and yet one kicks the living poop out of the other you go why well There's more talent and ability. Maybe they use their instrument in a better way. Maybe their hand-eye coordination is better. We're talking about drivers in this case. Some drivers are better than others, going to get more performance out of a car. Some crew chiefs, some mechanics are better on the setup pad, where the race engineer calls for 50 thou of this or 30 thou of that, and it's something that you actually have to twist and adjust to reach that number. Well, some are better at that than others. You know, there are some who are going to get you forty-eight thousands. Some are going to get you fifty-one thousands. There's some who are going to get you that fifty thou they asked for. And so that's a variable that's been removed. And if you apply that little variable, and if we're, again, we could be talking camber adjustments or toe. It could be ride height. It could be all kinds of things the ones who are better at hitting that number more exactly every single time. Well, their race engineer then knows that what they called for is on the car instead of there being a minor fudge factor where it's off just a fraction. But if you apply just that little fraction to all the various areas of setting up a car when you're on the setup pad, well, that can add to a little bit of variants that could add to a little bit of of creep so that what the engineer is thinking is on the car is really super close but off just enough in a few little ways to where you might not be getting the anticipated performance from it if simulation says again i'm just throwing out random stuff 50 thousandths of an inch in this one area is really going to be the magic thing you want and you're off just a tiny bit well your correlations off and you're not getting the exact performance expected. And so why then that engineer and the team spends time trying to find out why instead of being able to focus in on finding more speed. So this is the same tool that everyone's using. They're just better folks at putting it together, maintaining it, achieving perfection with it than others as in life. So would not mistake something being spec for meaning it should be equal everywhere uh not the case Uh, jim johnstone hey jim our man who brought us the term spam if you could invite one driver from another series to join in one of the indycar race i racing events who would it be says my vote goes to lando norris as he seems to be a pretty avid sim racer and an all-around good guy i would go to formula one as well but it'd be daniel ricardo because he's just a laugh riot Uh, I know that Lando is super popular and connects with the Utes amazingly well. It's not like Danny's an old fart, but he just, to me, that guy is pure gold. Anything he does. Um, Also, you know who we should invite? Gunther Steiner, uh, team principal for the Haas Formula One program, because you could hear the F word used uh, just throughout the entire event. So there you go uh gunther by the way supposed to be interviewing him on friday i can't wait uh we're gonna go to our pal kp kp yes my voice cracks sorry oh this is perfect you're remaking monty python's holy grail but nothing with nothing but indycar personnel i'm sipping the last little bit of coffee hoping it'll help uh to get us to the finish line here because we have after this one one two three four five or yeah, five or six left Which drivers do you cast for Arthur and his knights? Who is the black knight who gets to say me? And of course, what team owners get to be on the crew? Oh boy. Uh, I'll grab a couple here. Uh, I probably won't flesh this one all the way out because I don't think I can right now. Um, As I hear Rocky snoring to my right. Black knight. It's got to be Dale Coyne, right? I mean, after what he did to our man, French fry, right? I mean, you know, yeah. Um, who gets to say "nee"? The Knights of knee. Who gets to say that? Oh, man. I mean, there's so many clown princes in IndyCar that uh, it, it's, I don't want to keep going to the same well with the same people. So let me see who I can come up with here. That might not be just right off the dome. Uh, right. Who? 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 And I know you all are thinking of one, and or for those who even know this obscure reference, and you got it, and you're like, "Come on, Pru, it's not that hard. Just say it, you idiot." Uh, no, his accent doesn't work. We're not going to power. Um, Fernando Alonso absolutely fernando alonso just because i don't think he'd get the reference and i think he'd say it in a really weird way and then wouldn't understand why those of us who follow monty python would just be giggling in perpetuity um so yeah i'm gonna go with good old fred uh i'm gonna stick with that for right now kp Uh, let's go to darren horsberg mp and all guests on the show thank you if Indy lights use the same tub as a main game but with standard parts shocks springs, etc even the same engine but turned down limited power output will this give drivers and lights team a chance to uh, go between both championships um this gets asked about every two months or so darren maybe three and the answer is always no it does, it's a great idea. It was floated by former IndyCar CEO Randy Bernard back while the, what turned out to be the DW12 uh, was being fashioned. Uh, hey, how can we come up with something, you know, a, a universal solution that could be used in lights and an in IndyCar. And you could have the big motor here and the small motor there and, you know, but it'd be the same thing. And you could run back and, you know, you could use it back and forth if needed. Um, it Again, it's a great idea. So uh, I'm not, there's no, nothing negative to say there. Where this just doesn't work is we really wouldn't be able to do the same engine uh, because, you know, uh, detuning a motor meant to make 7, 800 horsepower to something really low, you'd have to change most of the internals if not all the internals because you're talking about lower revs lower this uh, compression ratios and strokes and bores and just like it'd be a thing it'd just be easier to have a dedicated motor for both um but then the main thing the main area where this really wouldn't work is cost i know that it sounds cheaper and it again it would be if this were a thing but this would be cheaper for an IndyCar team wanting to run Indy Lights than an Indy Lights team wanting to run IndyCar. Uh, we, right now, we have very few Indy Lights teams, drastically insufficient numbers in terms of car counts. The underlying point most Indy Lights teams are on the ragged edge financially. The money to buy an IndyCar, even though it would be used in Indy Lights, is going to be significant and you know i'm sure there are ways Delara could save some money here or there but you know it, it would be very small the other thing too you know if we think about that as well yeah you could go to spec shocks springs aren't cheap so that i mean it's an area where you're, there's not a lot of savings really but if you're going to be buying an indie car that can be used in lights you're going to not want to have a lot of specialized things for indy lights right you don't need the full-size fuel cell well okay so what if we go to a smaller fuel cell that you just use for indy lights great what if you want to go use it an in IndyCar? well now you need to buy the big one so indeed you've ended up with two of something you have specialized stuff so it'd be easier just to run with the full-size regular IndyCar car tank well that's not coming at a discount you you might be running an in Indy Lights, but the people selling you the tank are saying, "Oh, you're a Lights team. You'll pay less." It's you're buying an Indy car product. Uh, so those are some of the the things, Darren, that really make this a continual non-starter uh, aerodynamically. Again, you could do some things where you use smaller this, less of that. You could do you know a number of things to make the cars different performance wise, but if you want to go into car racing again you'd have to purchase those items as well or you know there'd be enough things where it's just easier for indy lights teams to buy indy lights cars which are definitely definitely cheaper so love the idea just have yet to see a, a plan from somebody that shows how this could actually work and be a savings for the lights teams or be something they could afford. The whole thing that makes us a non-starter lights teams cannot afford to buy indie cars. It's just way out of their pay grade. Um, also you very kindly say, thanks again for the show. Says I'm lucky to still be going out and working during this time. Amen to that. Darren says I work solo and have a two hour drive each day. Your podcast really helped thanks for keeping me sane. I don't get to hang out with people. Just my podcast buddies. Well, that's awesome, man. Seriously, thank you. really, really do appreciate you sending this question in and the kind note to close. Tell you this though, just <laughs> if there was a way for indie lights teams to afford indie cars, boy, uh, there'd be something there. uh maybe that's a bigger question for Roger Penske. Once we get through all this, once we are talking recessions and other things, hey, uh, is there a way we could look at a multiple-year payment plan, something where Indy Lights teams could get their hands on an Indy car that could go both places, race in both series? You know, It all comes down to finances. But again, who knows? Is there someone that could make it feasible for Lights teams to buy them in ways that they can't right now? Uh, Matthew Ponto says, MP, what is the craziest IndyCar rumor you've heard that never happened, but you thought had a chance of actually happening? Oh, man, Matthew. So these things happen from time to time. What I fail to do and have failed to do is commit them to memory or document them. Uh, yeah. So it's a great question. I just, I'm failing you on the answer. I feel like I got this question somewhat recently and I might've given the same answer. So for those with better memories than mine, I will apologize and I might've given the same answer. So I apologize again, if I'm just repeating myself, um, what I look forward to is the story. Well, okay. I can't even say that crap. What I look forward to is when we do go back to motor racing, I have heard of something that could happen in the paddock that is it's, I might actually write it in advance. Um, I probably will. I should. That's what a professional would do. And I pretend to be a professional sometimes, except when I'm recording this unpolished turd. Uh, I believe there, if that thing that I've heard about is still going to happen, I think we are going to have some drama. Drama. So I won't say more than that. I was about to say I can't course i can i'm an american i'm free i can say what i want i won't because it's not my news to say to break to whatever if it does happen i will mention it uh, on the podcast for sure because i will have written about it i'm gonna write about it in advance here um but other than that yeah they're oh boy just telling you if Saint Pete had happened and gone down, uh we'd still be talking about this one. Uh so yeah. And I'm not trying to tease you or whatever else. I just it's not the right time to talk about it. But this one for sure will be if it doesn't happen, it will be a massive one to mention uh if this gets thrown back as a question. Uh where are we going? We got three, four to go. Uh comes from covenant 121 how come the series has been so far behind other motorsports i.e formula one after liberty media purchased them and more recently nascar in terms of social media engagement and content for example their youtube channel is beyond dead they barely use it and they still continue to unlist videos on their channels Uh, the classic rewinds have been exclusive to their website only which hashtag me personally is completely ill-sighted if the series wants to reach a younger audience, doing stuff like Formula One does is imperative. They upload podcasts, retrospective videos, high-quality interviews, top 10 videos, historical content, and other things almost daily, referring to F1. Yeah, well, we're going to go back to the beginning of the show here. And yeah, we can say for sure there ain't a whole bunch of people to be doing that right now uh i do know that before the shutdown uh the guy that they did have doing their social media who was interesting uh was they felt he was good but he left i think he went to work for a stick and ball team or something like that um yeah this this is an area where the folks at penske entertainment do a very good job with their own right They seem to do a great job with NASCAR, IndyCar, sports car. They seem to get social media really darn good, and they generate a lot of content and want to keep things fresh and moving. Would only have to assume they understand that if they were to look at IndyCars, they would realize that that ain't happening, and they need to make that happen. So I'm throwing out a lot of assumptions here, but I have to assume that once they have more people back, this is an area they would need to invest in because even if you are hurting financially, this is not an area, frankly, like firing people and furloughing people like they just did in their communications department. Uh, this is not the way to succeed. So I'm hoping this gets fixed because to your point, yeah, better needs to be quickly. Here's a question that I am, boy, I really. You might have to throw it back in next week. And I apologize. This comes in from Isosceles. It says, Sorry for an obscure one. Do you know anything about Roberto Moreno's 1996 sponsored data control? He says, I've never been able to find info on the company. Did Moreno bring it? Uh, or did coin take a chance on Moreno? Has any other driver had the peak of their career come so late uh, as Roberto? Boy, well, uh, not argue, but I would say, you know, he, what 91 with benetton i think in f1 uh or was that 90 and 91 whatever it was you know i'm not saying it was great full multi-year deals but you know roberto did have some pretty good couple of pretty good drives uh in f1 more often than not he didn't i get that also you know his indycar career was all over the place as you mentioned i do seem to recall data control was something that he brought i once upon a time i knew this story of data control so what I need to do is reach out to the good old coin team and get an answer. What uh, Even better, I should reach out to Roberto. So don't be afraid to throw this one back in, and uh, I will do a better job of trying to get an answer for you ahead of time. All right, my voice is almost shot here. Let's go with Ben Cohen. Hey, Ben, MP, hope you and your wife continue to do well and stay safe during this chaotic time. Have you been sticking to your stout beer intake regimen while only doing your unpolished turd podcasts for us MP podcast family, or has that expanded? Uh, Well, I'll answer that. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, So again, I don't want to overstate things too much here, but you know, we've been on financial lockdown for a long time and i've actually felt guilty when we've gone grocery shopping to throw one or two beers in the cart because you know the stuff i like isn't 99 cents it tends to cost at least a couple dollars and so uh i yeah i have a couple uh that are sitting in the kitchen and i'm treating them like precious commodities because I probably shouldn't have bought them to begin with because it was a waste of money. And especially now when everyone is concerned about money and if they'll still have people giving it to them to do their jobs, yeah, it would be D-U-M dumb to frankly go and waste money on beer. So I realize that for some of you, maybe beer holds a higher importance and you're like, no, idiot, that's actually... If you look at the pyramid of food groups it's at the top uh, and the bottom um but no um shut that down a little bit uh but who knows maybe i'll crack one open here soon um ben also says these are the insignificant areas my mind wanders to during these times when it isn't filled with non-erasing events <laughs> and closes with saying appreciate you continuing to give us listeners content to keep us going well thank you ben um I'm trying. Um trying to do more podcasts that are shorter. I know that when we get back to regular racing, I won't be able to do this volume. I've been doing almost one a day. And you know, it'll be easier just, hey, this is our weekend in IndyCar guest. we're gonna do it. Whatever length it is, it is. And if it's long, it's long. Maybe there's a lot to talk about. Cutting that into two episodes and doing multiple this, two guests per week. Uh, I've been splitting our week in sports cars into two episodes. um, Instead of one, two to two and a half hours uh, episode, it's two, one-ish hours. So just trying to give you more will admit, uh, you know, traffic has been good, but not great in terms of downloads. I don't think it's because of anything I'm doing. I think it's, as I've heard from a number of folks, our routines have been broken I'm not at work with my earbuds in trying to kill time. Uh, I'm not, you know, driving that truck here, riding the bus on my bicycle. doing Again, the normal areas where things get consumed has been altered pretty heavily. So, again, I don't know if the strategy works. I'm just trying to give you all more that is easier and faster to digest. So kind of you to mention that, Ben. Going to close the show with our man, our man of haiku, our man of high talent, that being Jim Kaiser. Hey, Jim. Uh, (laughs) Jim, who says, Marshall, if the drivers on the projected 2020 IndyCar grid were lunch meats, which driver is which lunch meat? Jim, you are my man. You are my absolute man. Oh, boy. (laughs) this question makes me so happy it shouldn't, but it really, really does. Uh, okay. So I think the first one that jumps out really is maybe the most obvious Connor Daly baloney, absolute baloney. Uh, and I don't mean like what he says is baloney. Just, I could see Connor just kind of munching on baloney while, you know, playing some sort of, uh, uh hunt him up shoot him up first person shooter type something or other i just see that and and you know proudly doing so uh what would charlie Kimball be what would what lunch meat would charlie be i think we're just talking shredded chicken yeah a little bit of socal burrito type thing for charlie you know, some, some something there for sure. Uh, where else do we go? And I'll do a I'll do a couple here because I don't want to make every driver hate me. Uh, Hunter Ray, Ryan Hunter Ray. I really you said lunch meat. Lunch is an option, and meat. You know, doesn't have to come in a package. Uh, Hunter Ray, definitely some ahi, something, some tuna, but something he caught on his boat, uh, and then sliced and put into some sort of something for lunch um did you all see by the way oh my god uh i posted his instagram uh, item on my twitter feed uh his son one of his sons got a barbed hook in the face while fishing (laughs) holy crap in his left cheek it was a a three barbed a tri-barbed hook The poor little fellow got two of the barbs straight in his left cheek. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing at him. Obviously, I'm just looking. I mean, he's posting these. He's got this beautiful little IG story I'm looking through. It's got a hundred photos or whatever. And it's like, Hey, here we are doing this and that. And here's a family. And here's my boys. And they're playing, you know, race cars on the ground with their little matchbox cars. And Hey, we're riding the bicycle. Hey, we're going out fishing. And Oh, and it's not, here's my kid with a hook in his face. Like what? Ah, oh, I'm like, man, but that, that's classic kind of Hunter Ray family, right? I mean, these are, these are hardy folks, outdoorsy people. Uh, it happens you know i don't know if i've ever taken a hook to the face but i know that i've got a permanent scar on my knuckle where my dad's fishing knife that he told me to be careful with i wasn't while cutting bait and uh i was about eight years old and let's just say i've seen my knuckle not the skin on top of my knuckle but the actual knuckle itself um and had a variety of other fishing incidents over the years so yeah just chuckling because i guess i was ryan's son uh, at some point in time that guy's definitely fish of some sort um the one that i would love to understand and i don't know the answer at all would be rossi because he seems like he would be super particular about what he wanted and how he wanted it prepared like there would be a certain temperature involved right like an actual bring your own thermometer to check and make sure it's at that perfect temp i don't know what the meat would be but that just seems like a thing. Herda, obviously, lunch meat, uh, probably carne asada of some sort in a shell or tortilla-based delivery device. Uh, I think that one's maybe a little bit obvious. Where else do we go, though? Um, I mean, this one, again, I apologize. It's obvious, but, you know, it's got to be said. Pato Award, Oliver Askew, Fernando Alonso. Spam! We know, granted, do you think Fernando Alonso has ever had Spam? Like, that'd be the best, right? But nonetheless, maybe that's what we need to do. Uh, If you're heading to the Indy 500, provided he still partakes in the Indy 500, you get to see Fernando, you know, you're behind the fence at wherever his, uh, his pit stall is, bring a Spam sandwich or two for him. And Pato and Oliver. Tell him you've brought it as just a courtesy meal from the marshall pro podcast and then step back as they throw punches at you uh yeah uh max chilton jim who I, I mean i don't know what what is what does a max chilton eat like lunch meat part of me thinks max has never consumed lunch meat <laughs> we would consider lunch meat uh I just see things delivered in gloved hands with fine silverware and the top pulled off ding as it makes a little sound so the cover is pulled off and something beautifully prepared is presented in front of him I don't think lunch meat that's a good question next time I speak with Max have you ever had lunch meat I'm willing to put at least a dollar on no uh all right one or two more takuma sato i have no idea what that man eats i've never seen him eat does he eat i don't know it's an assumption i want what does he eat i need to ask him or graham ray hall now ray hall now i can tell that boy's had a couple of sandwiches in his life that boy knows himself some lunch meat And it's not a fat joke, right? This is the fat guy podcast uh, brought to you by me. But, you know, you know, Graham, I mean, I don't see him being a finicky eater. That's all I'm saying. This is, you know, Ohio product. What about Jack Harvey, right? He's known for baking Uh, baked lunch meats. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing. Probably not. What would Jack Harvey eat if we had to make him a sandwich? knowing that he's all quadruple vegan and all this other nonsense. What if we just had a Jack, the the people are making you a sandwich and you have to eat it contest. Would we do something liverwurst, liverwurst? Okay, absolutely. I think give me your thoughts and also give me some of your other driver thoughts. Have I gotten them right or wrong? Tell me what you would, what lunch meat you associate with the various IndyCar drivers. And I'll close with this very quick story because my wife brings it up at least once a month. Across from my father's shop in Burlingame, California, Pruitt's Old English Garage, there was a deli. And so when I say across the street, I don't mean a five-lane big roadway. I mean, you know, it's a narrow street. It's just right there. You step out of the shop and it's just right there. So I would go there from time to time. This would have been the late seventies. So I would have been seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. And I don't know. My dad would, if I was there with my dad for the day or whatever, he'd give me a, a dollar or two to just go next door and get a sandwich, whatever, to get myself some lunch. And I don't know why but I loved the taste of liverwurst. Now, I mentioned this on Twitter here. I'm also a connoisseur of ketchup. Hopefully none of you are vomiting right now. You might be. Story's almost done. The the misery's almost over here. For reasons that I don't fully understand, when I was about eight years old, I'd had a dentist appointment that day. It was probably summer, you know, uh, no school, whatever. Go to work with my dad every day kind of thing. Even as, again, a young kid at his British and Swedish repair shop. Uh, I guess I'd had a dentist appointment. And however it worked out, maybe he took me, brought me back, whatever it was. uh, Had a dentist appointment and was brought back to the shop. Hadn't eaten. Was very hungry. And back then very different from today Uh, they would use fluoride in these cups that you would they would basically pour the fluoride in you would bite on it a bit like a mouth guard like you would see in you know mma or boxing or whatever slightly bigger than that but they would pour this fluoride in and you would just basically bite down on it with it was really only working with your upper teeth i don't remember how they did it with your bottom teeth but it more or less was just a bite down and we're going to soak your teeth in fluoride and the flavor happened to be mint. Now another little assumption here, but I think I'm right. Whatever this was in the late seventies, this is like spent nuclear fuel rod type uh, cleanliness and chemicals. And I mean, it was just this mint flavored acid uh i I don't even know how to describe it but i was struggling to avoid throwing up in the dentist chair so it was probably just a cleaning that i had finish all this mouth is in pain because they're using the picks and this that and the other it teeth are just bleached with this fluoride mint flavored fluoride Get to my dad's shop. However, the conversation comes up. Hadn't eaten. Gives me a dollar or two. I go across the street with my mouth like a chemical waste dump. Tasting like mint. I decided I wanted to have a liverwurst sandwich on white bread. And this wasn't like thin Wonder Bread. This is like thicker. I don't know what kind of bread. But thick white bread. With... Mayonnaise and ketchup. <laughs> oh, are you getting the idea that maybe young Marshall Pruitt's decision making skills were not properly honed yet, if ever? So, hungry, stomach twisted from this mint fluoride death concoction, get the sandwich. I don't even think it got wrapped. I think I just took it, started eating it, walking out the door, walked down the couple of steps to just ground level, and like projectile vomiting. Uh, It was the craziest, saddest, I don't know how to describe it. I think my dad was outside the shop at the time, saw me, and, and normally he'd be like, Nah, walk it off you'll figure it out when i mentioned i cut myself with his fishing knife he was like no i told you to be safe told you to be careful you weren't uh i'm not gonna stop fishing uh i know you're seven years old figure it out grab a towel grab a rag you know whatever but no he didn't say screw you but basically screw you deal with it i told you to be careful and you weren't uh, no you can all you want doesn't matter i'm not stopping i'm gonna keep fishing you figure it out and i had to uh that was his normal response to try and make me be self-reliant i can just tell you that i look so sad so out of sorts uh I, I can only imagine the colors my face was happening happening to turn but i walked out of the little deli there eating my liverwurst on white bread with ketchup and mayo and I must have looked like the first human being to fire red and white and whatever pinkish color, uh, liverwurst, uh, out of my mouth, like a fricking machine gun. It was the sickest thing ever. I don't know how I came up with that sandwich, but I did once and I can still taste the mix this is a part where cover your, please find a garbage can if you need to because i'm about to barf mint ketchup mayo liverwurst he had white bread uh yeah so i don't know why i assigned liverwurst to jack harvey i really like him you would think that suggesting him and liverwurst might mean that i hate the kid not at all i love him but knowing that he's a baker and you know, artisanal type. This just seems so gut bucket nasty uh, that I just kind of want to see if he could fare and get through it. So there you go. That's uh, that's what I got for you. It is. What time is it? It's nine oh nine p.m. Show didn't take too long. Thanks for sending in your questions. They were a blast. They really were. Uh, if I didn't get to your questions, if I forgot anything, please send it back in. Call me an idiot. I'll just call me an idiot normally. Thanks again to all of your really sweet comments, uh, inquiring about my wife, inquiring about myself. Cats are doing well. Oh, they are face-to-face, cheek-to-cheek right now, sleeping. You guys are the cutest thing in the world when you're not trying to kill each other. I am Marshall Pruitt. This is my unpolished turd, also known as the Week in IndyCar Listener Q&A, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. Paul Trahan, send me that DM. And our brothers at Bell Racing Helmets USA. I'll speak to you soon.